This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Morning, it's one minute past nine. You are tuned to 102.73 Triple R. Maybe you're listening via rrr.org.au. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. My name's Bron Burton. I'm Terry Allen. How are you, Terry? Good, thanks, Bron. And we've got Kent here as well. He's not going to go on the mic. Mm-hmm. Nah, he's shaking his head. We'll get there. <laughs> morning, Kent. Morning, Kent. <laughs> morning to you out there. And thank you very much, Tim, for um, wonderful vital bits. Thank you, Andrew, for um, fabulous soulful bits. As always, delivered with poignancy. <laughs> <laughs> Being a smart ass. <laughs> uh, today's program, we are shortly going to be catching up with Hilary McNevin. She is down at Apollo Bay for the Sustainable Seafood Festival. And she's moderating a session that's on today uh, called Conversations on the Edge. So they're going to have 12 experts gathering by the sea in various panels to talk farming, fishing and the future. So uh, this is part of a three-day festival down at Apollo Bay. You can think of worse places to be on a mm. weekend down at Apollo Bay, especially this weekend. Yum. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be speaking with Hilary about the festival and what's going on there today. If you're down the Great Ocean Road way, you could certainly do worse than to go and check that out. looks amazing. Mm. We're... Uh, also going to be crossing to Dr. Surf. He's um, he's going to give us a surf report from his his bed of I was going to say sick bed. He's not actually sick, but he's he's uh, done himself an injury. So we're going to catch up. He, he can do the talking on that one. Excellent. Give us a surf report. Uh, then Neil Blake's going to be joining us in studio for our first baykeeping for 2018. Yay. Neil Blake, our very own baykeeper. Uh, who will be telling us about some local events and what's been going on this week. And also he went and checked out reports of a bivalve stranding yesterday down at Seaford. So I'm going to ask him all about that too, find out what that's all about. And Terry, you've been busy over summer. I'm always busy. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> oh, yeah. For all things aquatic. Yes, all things aquatic. So uh, I'll talk a bit about diving later, um, but I can also give us a sailing report. So we've, my partner Jeff and I with the bunch of others uh, have just come back from sailing, uh, doing a circumnavigation of Bass Strait and touching on uh, around the islands of Tasmania. Absolutely wonderful. How long did it take? Well, we had to get into Melbourne before that horrible, windy Valentine's Day, so uh, we cut short our trip a little bit, but we did about 10, uh, 12 days, I think it was, altogether. Yeah. 12 days at sea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How many of there were you on the boat? I know uh, we're kind of cutting into the segment now, but I'm, right. I'm curious. Started with seven, uh, which was cosy. Uh, then we quickly went down to six, and then eventually uh, two went home, one came back, and then there was five to come home, so... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful. You've sailed a lot too, haven't you? I used to sail a lot. We, uh, we, Jeff and I had a boat together, and uh, but now we, even better, we sail on someone else's boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like handing the baby back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's have some weather. Yeah, sure. Got so it uh, it's looking great. Uh, beautiful day today. Um, in relation more to. Uh, Diving more than sailing because we have fog in the morning and that's what every diver loves to hear. 
Beautiful day, 15 to 25, slight chance of showers in the evening and light winds. And uh, tomorrow we've got 26, a um, bit, of, bit of chance of rain and then the rest of the week 29, 30, 30, 28 and back to rain next Saturday, of course, and 27. But uh, beautiful, uh, I think, beautiful time of year here in Melbourne. And uh, there's a bit of uh, swell, which is good for the surfers. I guess we're going to hear a bit more about that from Dr Surf in a moment. But, yeah, it looks like one, one and a half metre swell uh, going to matter Portsea. Uh, we had a lovely uh, big swell coming in through the heads on, on Tuesday, which was uh, quite amazing. So, yeah, good not, for surfing, I think. Not so great for diving, but good for surfing. Yeah, Depending exactly. on where you are. Yep. Uh, have you got the tide times there? Ooh, tide times. Okay. You've put me on the spot here. It's on the right-hand side. <laughs> She says, she says. Oh, I know when the planets are rising. Is that useful? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, high tide uh, was uh, 6 o'clock this morning and low tide will be uh, 12 o'clock at Williamstown and that will correspond roughly with uh, slack water at the heads. Great. And what about high tide and low tide at the heads? We might as well do the lot. Uh, Point Lonsdale, low tide, 8.43 a.m. So we've just had that. High tide will be at uh, 2.48 p.m. Great. And it's not much of a tide at the moment because the moon is uh, small, of course, after the big super moon a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Hey, um, big shout out to everyone who's been out at White Night. You're probably just getting home and crawling into bed, maybe, mm. or maybe you're fast asleep. Uh, and for those of you who took part in White Night Underwater last week, we caught up with AJ uh, and um, and Dave who brought us up to speed on what they were planning for White Night Underwater down at Blegarry. And I've seen a few photos that have come through this morning on social media, which looks uh, – these are only images. There's a photo competition that they've been running and some of the photos that I've seen coming through already are just spectacular. Mm. So um, if you are uh, – if you took part – um, send us a message via our Radio Marinara Facebook page. We're up to um, 995 uh, subscribers or followers to our Facebook page. Ooh. We've got five till we hit the big ton, Terry. Come on, we need five to like <laughs> us today. If you've been to uh, White Night at Blair Gowrie and you haven't liked our page, please lo- get on now and uh, get to a 1,000. Yeah. yeah. And if you, it's actually the best way of, um, of getting in contact with us other than via the station, although I have to admit my... Um, <laughs> My response has been sporadic at times. If you've been sending us messages, thank you. I will get back to you. It just might take a little while depending on what's going on. Uh, But it's a really good way to get in touch with us and just let us know what's going on in your world as well. You don't have to live locally. We love hearing from you if you're you're interstate or overseas. It's starting to sound a bit like Radiothon. But (laughs) we we do love hearing from you. So, uh, yeah, get us over the ton. That would be good. A couple of quick plugs and then I think we'll listen to a track and get Hillary on the line. Um, A big plug for a campaign underway um, change.org and thanks to PT Hirschfeld who brought this to our attention. It's to stop marine life being killed in ineffective shark nets Mm. and I'm just reading from the headline there. It's a campaign that Sea Shepherd have been running. I think it's part of their Operation Apex Harmony. Um, so, uh, look, it takes three seconds to sign the petition. They want 10,000. Um, I signed it last night and it was getting, it was well up in the 9,000. So they're getting close to the 10,000 that they're aiming for. But some of the, some of the figures are really concerning um, what they're reporting here, 95% of entanglements. Because the issue, of course, with the shark nets, they're supposed to keep the sharks mm. out. But inevitably what they end up doing, like people use nets to go fishing and this is what's happening, that the, all sorts of creatures are getting caught in the nets. 95% of entanglements and deaths are non-target marine life, including endangered and protected turtles, manta and mobula rays, eagle rays, dolphins, non-target shark species. And there's some issues with how often the nets are being uh, checked uh, and mm. the... Um, they're saying here that it's not enough to rescue dying animals that have been caught in the nets. Uh, they're also saying they don't actually work. Um, there have been a few incidents of swimmers inside the nets who've come into contact with sharks. So the sharks are actually getting through, around, over, somehow. They're getting past the nets. And the other big issue they raise, which of course is a good one, is that with all these in, uh, entangled animals, they're sitting there effectively acting as shark bait. Yeah, so if anything, if anything, what they do is they, they attract the sharks in. Um, and there are... Um, it's really good. The the case they put forward actually um, proposes alternative methods. So there have been some trials in South Africa which have proven really successful. Um, there's only been one death in 11 years. So whatever mm. they're doing is working without having these consequences and there's a whole list of alternatives. So, look, if you're interested in, in joining 
this group of people who are really trying to push hard to the New South Wales government to just get rid of these shark nets, um, admit that there's a mistake, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, you try these things, they don't work, you move on. Yeah, I guess it's a bit like the uh, shark... uh hooking on net, you know, over in Western Australia that, once again, they got all the wrong species yeah. trying to target the poor great whites, of course, but they got everything else except... That's right. So change.org, um, you can... It's pretty easy to find. If you just Google marine life shark next, you'll find it. But um, Or you search engine of your choice. Uh, but we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page as well. Um, oh, look, one other one I wanted to mention quickly. Oh, two, actually. One is a big shout-out to Dive to You and Sea Shepherd. Last weekend, they spent three hours on Sunday with volunteers cleaning up the water in the beach at Flinders Pier, and they managed to um, collect an enormous amount of rubbish and uh, and fill up the bin at Flinders Pier. There was a bit of an issue with having that rubbish collected, but good on you guys. Mm. I, I think it's fantastic. You know, we have Clean Up Australia Day, but these guys are just at it all year round. Yeah, our, our club does a, a monthly clean up at Flinders, and it, it's been great over winter seeing the rubbish drop, but then you just get a bit depressed over summer that it, just all, it all comes back again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. And one last one I'll mention now is that um, Queen Elizabeth II, and I think this is probably the first time I've ever said those three words oh. <laughs> together on our this queen. program, <laughs> has declared war on plastic, Terry. Excellent. Yes. So this is what she's done. 91-year-old monarch has joined the fight against single-use plastic, banning straws, cups and bottles from all of her estates. Fantastic. I was just going to say that uh, uh, Paddy, one of the teaching agencies, has a has a Paddy Aware program on, on exactly that, yeah. and that's another petition that I've signed this week about exactly straws and bottles and, yeah. Single-use plastics. Yeah, single-use plastics. So, oh, go go Queen. <laughs> I, I, I agree. You know, credit where credit's due yeah. here. It's thought she was influenced by her friend Sir David Attenborough and his oh. latest documentary series, Blue Planet 2, so big props to Sir David Attenborough yeah. as well. Great. Good and stuff. He, his show is starting on telly this week, I think. Tonight, maybe. Yeah. Blue Planet 2. Yeah. For a later plug there. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> 12 past nine. This is Radio Marinara. You're here with Terry and Bron. And we, shortly we're going to be joined by our longtime friend and forever crew member, Hilary McNevin. She's down in Apollo Bay while we get Hilary on the phone. Here's an old one from Clouds. This is Apollo. That was Clouds and Apollo taken from 1992 release Octopus. Hope you enjoyed that. We actually played that track uh, deliberately programmed to then introduce Hilary McNevin, but she's not answering her phone. So instead, we're going to welcome Neil Blake into the studio. All right, I'll be Hilary then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hilary. <laughs> Deep voice. <laughs> she's got a cold. Hey, good morning. Yeah, it's great to be here, Bron. It's wonderful to have you back. And thanks for stepping in. We'd plan to have you in a bit bit later on, but it's awesome that you're here early well, and here you are. I want to hear what are. Hillary's got to say. That sounds very, well, very interesting. Why don't yeah. you stay? I'll, I'll stick around. Excellent. Sure. How have you been? How's your summer? Uh, yeah, very good, actually. Yeah, we had a, uh, the Summer by the Sea programs, always good fun, and uh, found some interesting things on beaches around there. You got met some good families and... So, so for our listeners who don't know what Summer by the Sea is, can you talk us through that? Uh, well, it's an annual event. Um, it's been going on since the mid-90s, I think. I think that's the 1990s. But uh, <laughs> uh, Coast Care uh, and uh, Parks Victoria are the coordinating agencies on that one. But there's a lot of uh, activities for families, essentially, uh, on the coast around Victoria. And I've been doing shoreline shell surveys since 2009 at various... Uh, beaches, and uh, it's always interesting to go back and see what changes are happening. Um, what's uh, going on at the moment? Well, uh, yesterday um, I went down to Seaford. That was uh, quite yes. uh, interesting. Um, it's amazing that the power of Facebook, you mm. uh, pick up stuff that um, uh, you might not have otherwise heard about. Somebody uh, put some photos on on Seaford Beach saying, oh, the beach is different today, you know, and it was just covered in uh, bivalves. And so I thought, that's a bit weird. I've never seen anything like that because Seaford's one of my locations that I have been doing um, uh, surveys on over the years. And uh, so, yeah, I'd managed to get down there yesterday and discovered that um, it was mainly uh, one 
The uh, thin ribbed cockle, you might be familiar with that. That's a, no. a little bivalve species that have uh, beautiful uh, sunset colours in it. And, uh, mm. Oh, and, yes. And generally a whitish shell, but with, uh, with pink sort of um, patches and things like that. Like a cockle shape? Yeah, that's or right. Round, it's a very yeah, round okay. Sort of shell. Oh, okay. And it's got yeah, very fine ribs that radiate yes. out from the back of it. And underneath a sort of orangey. That's yeah, it, I yeah. know what you mean. Mm. Okay. And wow. apparently, uh, uh, looking into them a bit further, they, they do live in uh, almost up to the high tide line and in sands but also in mud so they're pretty uh, widespread species and uh, occasionally do get thrown up onto um, to, uh, beaches and I think it was the Valentine Day's uh, storm that did it so uh, wow. obviously picked them up and threw them up too high on the beach so they couldn't get back they got like a turtle line on the back I think so they just couldn't actually recover. So were the seagulls all going a bit nuts? Well that's the other thing you might, anybody who's been hanging around the coast or the, you know lately might have noticed there's very few seagulls around so I suspect they might have gone to Lake Eyre because oh. all that all that oh. rain that we've had uh, up up north uh, that tends to um, get them to uh, go and have a party up there. Yeah, and yeah. the pelicans and everything as well. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Right. That's yeah. a long way. It is a long way. Yeah, yeah I, I just never thought seagulls would fly that far. For, in my mind, I've always thought they're just kind of you know just going to hang around, hang around the fish and chip shop. Exactly, there's enough <laughs> chips and sandwiches to kind of keep them entertained. Well, I, yeah. I can recall seeing them. I uh, grow when I was at school in on the Murray River up at Robinvale, and there'd be seagulls occasionally on our footy oval in in the. You know, oh, so that's a long way. That's true. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Coast. Yeah, yeah. So they they do travel. And you're right. The number of times I've stopped in Wodonga, and yeah, you know, and there are always seagulls around. And yeah, I yeah. suspect they probably. Fl- Fly rather than walk, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or hitchhike. <laughs> Neil, can I ask you about? Um, we've noticed with uh, diving over the summer. Um, you know, we had that sort of quite late. You know, it was quite cold, I suppose, in December, and then we had that real sort of bit of a heat wave, and the bay temperatures were insanely warm. You know, we had. Yeah. I think I saw twenty four at Brighton, mm. twenty three, um, and you know, I know it's cyclical, but is that is that reflected in, have you seen any changes in sort of species distribution or numbers or anything in particular this year? Have you noted anything apart from, you know... Uh, no, well, not that I could confirm. No. So um, like one of the things that I did note with uh, the shoreline shell surveys that um, we haven't seen any of the painted ladies or the uh, Phasianella australis shell, which is right. a pretty um, gastropod. Yes. Uh, and I just haven't seen them for a while. You know, okay. So whether that's why, the reason, I, I couldn't say. No, of course. Uh, yeah. Definitely a lot less um, abalone at Williamstown. Right. Uh, but that might be due to poaching. Rather yes, than other, other yes. Factors, you know, so. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. We, uh, I've seen very few abalone at... Actually, I won't say where it is because I want poachers to know, but yeah. close to Melbourne and uh, a place we use for training a bit. And, uh, yeah, I think I saw one, whereas I can often see, you know, 10 or 20 on a dive. So. I'm just mm. putting a call out to all the poachers. There are no abalone at Williamstown. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Just stay away. Yeah, yeah. I noticed some um, fisheries had a really big bust during the week. Of, um, of some poachers. Oh, good. We managed to recover, it was well over 100 uh, undersized yeah. individuals. Um, and it came about through, I think it was a public report, and there happened to be, it was, no, it was last weekend. And uh, yeah, they, they caught them red handed. They dropped their catch over the side of the boat. Mm. Um, the off, they might have been off duty. Um, our fisheries officers uh, were also trained divers, so they just threw their tanks on and went down and, and got the oh, got the haul. Got and, the evidence. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So Good on you guys. I hope they yeah. lost their boat. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I saw similar comments mm. along those lines. Well, hope that's they lost their boat. Yeah, that's what often that's that's supposed the con- to be the uh, yeah the consequence of yeah. that. Yeah. Now I see you have a paper in front of you, Neil. Oh yes. Ah. Uh, What's this? Well, you've heard about the uh, urban sprawl, no doubt. Uh, this paper here is on identifying consequences of ocean sprawl uh, for sedimentary habitats. Ah, okay. Uh, it's related to. Um, Built infrastructure and how that's actually changing the sediments in in uh, in oceans or marine environments, and I guess in estuaries as well. As mm. uh, so, uh, for a range of reasons, it'll alter the hydrodynamics of the situation, also change the light conditions. So uh, that'll impact on uh, certain species that you know obviously um, directly uh, related to those conditions. So uh, it's an interesting uh, sort of an idea that's going to become much more relevant as. Uh, 
we have sea level rise and uh, there's going to be more uh, built infrastructure or interventions to sort of manage the coast, even to do with beach renourishment, etc., uh, or putting in breakwaters, seawalls, that sort of thing. Mm. It's going to actually alter the uh, sediment uh, environment. Mm. So uh, that's that's a whole area of investigation that uh, we need to look at because the uh, species that live, and that's my passion at the moment, is the particularly the the bivalves that are living in the sandy intertidal areas. Uh, are they going to be there in future as we have those habitats changed, either relocated or displaced due to different conditions that are prevailing? And they have such an important ecological role, don't they? They're not just there for bait and so people yeah. can pick up the shells when they're dead. They're, they've actually got a really important role to play. That's right. And the cycling of nutrients too is a really key part of the food chain So and, and the whole health of the ecosystem. Mm. So uh, we need to understand it. Yep, definitely. Uh, what have you got coming up? Uh, well, uh, my uh, identical second cousin, Captain Trash, is going to be getting around a little bit. Uh, he's uh, going to the Karam Sustainable Festival on the 25th, uh, Sunday of February, so I think it must be next week. Yes. Um, that's a great little festival. It's got a whole range of uh, uh, things, presentations on various stuff to do, with, all, all to do with sustainability. So Excellent. I'll be giving a bit of a talk down there about... Um, uh, just our microplastics audits that have mm. been going on. Did you uh, hear the news we mentioned before about Queen Elizabeth? I did, yeah. yeah. Announcing the big ban on Fantastic. plastics. Yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about exactly what's being banned. But uh, hopefully, oh, no uh, tonic water in plastic bottles. Maybe that's what she's gotten rid of for her gin and tonics. Oh right, no, <laughs> she's getting rid of um, from all her estates. Of yeah. course, all the estates have cafes, yeah. so uh, all straws, um, plastic cutlery. Um, what about tea bags? That's plastic fun, bags. Yeah. Oh, that's what I. Maybe you should write to her, Neil. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm sure she'd only serve pot tea. <laughs> well, you would hope so. Yeah. I mean, the tradition, for sure, but you never know. She's pretty what's, modern. What's the plastic in tea bags, excuse me? Oh, they have a very fine uh, layer that actually holds the bag together. Right. So it's just a little bit of plastic. It is a bit of plastic. Oh, all right. Okay, well, I do use loose leaf tea, so I feel even better now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Karam Sustainable Festival or Sustainability Festival, yeah, that's next 10. weekend. Yeah, that's right. And 10 till, I think, one thirty or 3.30. Yep. And uh, whereabouts on the foreshore? It's or? actually um, at Beach Lane. Okay. Uh, it's all not far from the railway, Karam Railway Station too, actually. So um, It'll be easy enough to find. I'm guessing if you go to Karam, there'll be signs everywhere. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and then Clean Up Australia Day is coming up. So, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You mentioned the Sea Shepherd, et cetera, uh, doing good work, but... Uh, that's um, still uh, shouldn't discount Clean Up Australia Day. That does get people out who aren't the usual suspects, which is, <laughs> is great, you know, to have people uh, getting involved uh, just uh, because um, uh, it seems it's the right thing to do. Definitely. And what it does is uh, for people who wouldn't normally get out there, and of course schools get involved as well, it, it, crea- yeah. it expands the networks, mm. introduces people to other programs that are going on, provides that opportunity for this work to be ongoing. Yes, yeah, so I'll be heading out to agree. Blackburn Lake. Um, the name of um, Dart from Melbourne Water has uh, invited me out there to have a chat about things and Captain Trash will uh, play a bit of ukulele and stuff. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm really pleased that uh, Naomi's adopted the riverbank audit that I've, method that I've developed, which complements our beach audits. So um, we've, we've got a suite now of... Uh, different audit methods using the same data fields though from beaches, riverbanks, streets and school grounds Mm, which I really want to get rolled out because we've got to start, I hate to say it, but we need to escape from this um, way of thinking about marine debris as something that's marine because it's actually coming from the land Yes, and we, we really need to change the focus and the mindset about that. Spot on. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. Thanks Neil. Would you like to stick around? Uh, yeah, I just mentioned too another mm-hmm. fantastic one for uh, the Geelong Wooden Boats Festival. Oh, oh great. yes, that's, that's on right. That's the uh, long weekend in March. It's uh, three days of fantastic boating fun and spectacular. It's a family event that people can go to, and there's going to be buskers, a buskers competition, kids' activities, all that sort of stuff. So, is Captain, yeah. is Captain Trash going to be there? Uh, he'll be there too. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's busy. He's trying to find his boat. He lost it back in 1855. <laughs> now, can I? just ask you because I'm, I'm not going to let this go by. Captain Trash plays ukulele. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, Does he? Yeah, it's a flying V, ukulele. Yeah. Do, you think, do, you, do you think he might grace us with a performance at some stage, Neil? Well, it, he did ask me about that, but uh, <laughs> I said, well, look, you know, Bronze, she's a bit conservative, you know. You know. <laughs> Then Kent would have the panel. Up, you know, how do you how do you control that sort of thing? Oh, well, we love uh, the uncontrollable. That's all right. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, he's actually got this little boot polish amplifier. As you see, and it, oh. there's a lot of feedback. So uh, I don't know whether you'd like that. I think you'd be right. <laughs> we'll how, cope. How about if our people talk to his people and we'll see yeah. what we can yeah. organise? Yeah. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Neil. Will you stick around? I'll stick around. Brilliant, because we're going to get Hillary on the line. She's actually available now. Dive report, yeah. So uh, it's been a fantastic summer of diving. I think this is the first report I'm doing for the year. Um, We've had, uh, uh, as we said to Neil before, we've actually had very warm uh, water come through in in late January. I saw that. Got up to... I think it got to 24. Wow. Which I don't think I've ever seen before. And, uh, well, it's very pleasant for diving, of course, but mm-hmm. I, I, of course, worry about some of our uh, marine creatures and... Uh, How they then, cope with water that yeah, that's... Yeah, that's so warm. warm. Um, and then, you know, of course, we get the algal bloom. So at the moment with diving, I've... Uh, I've heard a few reports from outside the bay and inside and unfortunately the visibility's come right down and I think once again it's the Valentine's Day <laughs> westerlies because it was pretty a pretty big blow. But, uh, um, but yeah, we've had lots of uh, cuttlefish around, lots of uh, a heap of octopus. It's just been cephalopod city down at Rye and uh, Blegary and, and just it's so great for the new divers to see these beautiful big animals um, as well as, of course, all the usual uh, nudibranchs and, and those suspects. But, yeah, beautiful for photography and, and a great way to introduce people to um, our fantastic marine life. And um, where would you dive today? All right. Well, for today, um, it's light winds. Um, so, look, I would... Uh, normally I'd like to go to Flinders, but Flinders can be pretty um, a bit variable. So I haven't heard a report from Flinders Pier today. Um, and I guess you could try... Uh, I, I mean, Blegarry is always always great. Um, they had, of course, the, uh, the White Night uh, Festival down there last night for the first time. Um, so we may hear about, uh, you know, what the visibility was, was like there. Um, I probably wouldn't go outside the heads. I've heard that the around uh, the uh, wrecks, it's not great viz. So, um, stay yeah. inside today. Stay inside, yeah. Inside the bay. Inside the bay, yes. Excellent. <laughs> not inside, inside. So did you hear if many people attended the White Night? Uh, we, we, we don't know, but Bron said she saw a few people. Um, yeah, I just saw some Facebook commentary. Um, mm. from It was quite busy down there. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, so. we'll look into that. And we've hit 1,000 likes on our Facebook page. Yay! <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Angeline, for letting Very. us know. Five extra this morning. That's yeah, wonderful. That's yeah, that's brilliant. Hey, and uh, we have right now on the line, I believe, we're going to jump straight from a dive report to a surf report because Dr. Surf's there waiting. Good morning, Dr. Surf. Hello, Dr. Surf. Oh, we got you still got you on hold. Hang on a tick. All right, Dr. Surf, are you there? Yeah, I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. How are you? I'm doing the dishes. Oh, right. Is that a euphemism? Is that like particular? I was trying to put my underpants on in the morning. It takes about 20 minutes. Oh, too much information. Now, there's a reason why it's taking you so long to move around. I mentioned at the start of the program you'd done yourself an injury, but I didn't elaborate. Um, no, I've, I've got a... They, they used to call them slip discs. Now they call them bulging discs. And I've got one, maybe two... And it's all my fault, so no, no sympathy. And, and I'll tell you now, Bron, I'll take this over gastro any day. <laughs> <laughs> for for the benefit of our listeners, I've actually been in bed all week with the most ferocious gastro that um that I've uh, ever had in my life. So I won't won't go into too much detail with no. that. Nobody wants to hear <laughs> about it. Nothing to that. <laughs> anyway. No, I know I, I know the uh, I know the pain that comes with disc bulge. I've experienced it myself. Although for me, it's been in my neck, but I do get how bad it is. So full sympathies to you, Dr. Surf. And I well, guess... I've, I've, yeah, I've talked to a few people who've had it on Friday morning. I could not move. Mm. I, was, I was in excruciating pain. And because of my silliness, um, because I've had a fell back for a while, I continue to surf. And Thursday, the surf was really good and I went out and I think I did myself a bit of a mischief. But now I'm out of the water till after Easter. 
Oh, no. Well, you know, that's my fault. You can't whinge. I'm becoming an expert in crossword and the Winter Olympics. Ah. Actually, I'm an expert in the Winter Olympics too. That's been one of the benefits being yeah. waylaid. It's been, um, apart from the commentary, which is, I won't go there. <laughs> well, apparently you can come in any place as long as you're in Australia, and that's good enough. <laughs> 58, and they're going, oh, well done, congratulations. And I'm thinking, oh, now? Well, it's, it's, yeah, and it doesn't matter how your name's spelled or how you pronounce it. They'll just make up whatever works for them and it can be the next best thing. And the name but that will, slightly looks will, like something else. I will say the commentators on the ice skating are fantastic. I love them. Yes, I agree. Anyway. I anyway, sir, it's been quite good, but the wind's gone on shore already. We've had a really good swell came in with that blow on uh, Valentine's Day. And Thursday, Friday were really good. Yesterday was good. Uh, today, there's still quite a bit of swell around. The wind's from the southeast below, the devil wind. Um, I would suggest, because it's still fairly big, unless you're a very experienced surfer, I would steer away from the beach breaks and on Phillip Island or the peninsula and go down to the west coast. There'll be a lumpy wave down there. Mm. Um, it's going to be easterly for the next few days. And I think the swell's going to drop off a bit, so the beach breaks will come good midweek. But um, it's been quite good, and, and I can tell that the water temperature's been very, very warm. Yeah. And that Even on the beaches, it's been 20, 21. Yeah, makes it very pleasant. Hey, uh, Dr. Surf, we've got Hillary waiting for us, so I better move on. But before we do, I wanted to play a track for you as you convalesce with your back injury. And um, this actually comes directly from your Christmas gift to me. And so I want you to sit back and really, really take this in. This is from uh, the 1989 release of Tony Barber, which uh, who is a, a long-time friend of Radio Marinara, which means that I met him once in a bar about... 15 years ago and he recorded a couple of stings for us but um this is from his 1989 release love changes everything and dr surf i want you to enjoy this one we'll catch you in a couple of weeks thanks brian all right enjoy this is wind beneath my wings And if you've just tuned in, <laughs> Tony Barber. Get him off. Wind beneath my wings. We actually had someone to ring in and complain, but it was all very tongue-in-cheek. Thanks, Chris. And uh, and um, Dr. Surf says this song is the musical equivalent of gastro. Yeah, I get that. And uh, Dr. Beach, who will be here next week, said this is a beautiful thing and we concur with you, Dr. Beach. <laughs> We might save that one. We might bring that one back for Radiothon, I reckon, Terry. Yeah, that's got to be the you know. If yeah. you don't subscribe, if you don't we'll subscribe, keep playing we'll keep it. Playing it. Yeah. Voice. he has got a good voice. Yeah, I know. Anyway, it's nine forty, and uh, this is Radio Marinara, and you are listening to Three Triple R. And this weekend, Apollo Bay has hosted the Sustainable Seafood Festival. It's been three days of celebrating the spirit of Apollo Bay's local fishing community, world-class seafood sourced locally and the rugged beauty of one of Victoria's most spectacular coastal towns. It's been a big focus on local sustainable seafood and the festival culminates in today's event called Conversations on the Edge. The event's going to be moderated by Radio Marinara's longtime friend and forever crew member Hilary McNiven. It's with great pleasure we now cross to Apollo Bay to find out what's in store. Good morning, Hilary. I am here. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go through my whole introduction again, but you're down at Apollo Bay for the Sustainable Seafood Festival and we know that your session starts at 10, so we're going to hop straight into it. Apollo Bay Seafood Festival, tell us all about it. 
three days of we, we started on Friday night. It finishes this afternoon, and it's um well three days of celebration and education and um God that sounded like I practiced that. At the <laughs> And um, and just celebrating what come, comes out of the beautiful, I guess, the local co-op, but also looking at it at a more at a state-based and national and international conversations about seafood. It's really exciting. So Monday, Friday night, we had a dinner with Frank Camora, cooked the most extraordinary seafood feast. It was just amazing. And then yesterday, I didn't get around to too many events. I was at Harbour Day, which was a really a huge event in itself, and I was emceeing. There was a crayfish raffle, there was educational um, the, the boats were open for kids to explore and learn about fishing and learn about um, the community down here, and also beautiful food and wine and all sorts of stuff going on. Oh, it sounds amazing. I saw there was an event called Hello Sailor. I'm guessing that was maybe the event you just spoke about, where um, kids could go and get onto boats and actually talk to some people who spend their whole lives on the sea. Yeah, they were, well, it was an extraordinary day, and yeah, kids were, and they just had um, lots of big they were boards out. It was like gorgeous little classrooms almost set up on the jetty, and children were going mad, but then there was lots of, you know, there was Melbourne Gin Company was there, though, for the parents, but that worked out just fine. Excellent. And, um, yeah, it was, um, and the food was really beautiful, and there was, like, oysters shucked to order, and, and the, Heaps of crayfish, I have to say. I can. I'm never going to tire of crayfish, but it's been a glorious weekend of eating of it. <laughs> Excellent. Hey. That's one of the main catches here. That and gummy shark and abalone are three of the main targeted catches from the area. Now let's go through today's program because I know it kicks off at 10 and you'll want to go and get yourself ready. Um, talk yeah. us through the very... You've got a few sessions that are running today. Can you talk us through them? Yeah. Conversations on the Edge and um, session one, which starts is, um, at 10, is Know Your Farm and Know Your Food. And we're talking to... It's all about how farmers in the Otways and beyond are finding new ways to regenerate the land and how that affects our food. So we're starting with the land. Session I'm running at um, the session at the after morning tea is the local catch. We're talking to three um, local fish and also then Dr Kate Brooks is jumping on board as well. She's a social scientist with the um, seafood industry of Victoria and um, we're going to talk all about resource management and fisheries management and the community here and, and dealing with bycatch as well. There's a lot of conversation around that. And then the last session is called Sustainable Futures and that's where we're um, talking about research and innovation in marine produce and the impacts of climate change on the marine environment. Uh, Bruce Pascoe is involved, Caleb Gardner, who's a professor at University of Tasmania, and Erin Cumming, who I think was on Triple R recently. Yeah, she she's... talking about seaweed. Yeah, she's a, sea, uh, she's a um, PhD student at Deakin Union Warrnambool and is part of Alicia Belgrove's team looking in to um, the potential for sustainable seaweed as a, a new market, uh, but using local species. So, uh, interesting one. Um, be really interesting to hear what she has to say. Oh, yeah, it will be. It'll be a great day, actually. I've, I've got coffee up and my bottle of water ready, though. <laughs> Excellent. Now, if um, if our listeners want to get down there, you, you're not going to. Well, it's a three hour drive to Warrnambool, uh, to Warrnambool from to Apollo Bay from Melbourne. I'm guessing, but if you're down yeah. that way, uh, or if you you know somewhere nearby, you're within an hour's drive, and you want to go and check it out. What's uh, where will you be in Apollo Bay? We're, we're at the um, Surf Life Saving Club all day from ten till about two thirty. Wrap up. Good one. I'm going to let you go, Hillary, because I can hear you want to go and get yourself ready. Have a fantastic day. And will you come back and join us here at Triple R and tell us what's going on in your world? But it'd be really great to have a little summary of what today's uh, presentations have all been about. I'll get back to Radio Marinara and have big chats to do. That would make me happy. Because we miss you. I miss you too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have an awesome, have a a fantastic day and uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye, Hillary. Hilary McNevin there. Ah, oh, sounds like bliss, seafood heaven. <laughs> it was a, uh, a slightly um, truncated version of the chat we were going to uh. have. We've had a few technical difficulties this morning. All right, it's 9.47 and you are listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. I reckon uh, in a moment we're going to have a chat about diving, Terry, and sailing in particular. 9388 Triple R. Hi, this is Tony Barber. Do you like fish? Or maybe marine invertebrates? Listen to Radio Marinara for all things wet and salty. Sundays at 9am on 102.7 3 Triple R. The man himself, Tony. 
Fantastic. He was such a superstar. He was. Smooth voice. Oh, seriously, I met him in a bar. Yeah. About, would have been about 2000, <laughs> would have been about 2002. And uh, he joined my a group of work colleagues, just Friday night drinks. Yeah, all right. And um, talked about what we did. And uh, he gave me his business card. And wow. I said, do you want to do a couple of stings for us, Tony? He said, sure. And I thought, oh, no, he won't. And he did. Oh. Where is he now? I haven't heard from him for a while. Well, I haven't heard from him for 15 years either, Neil, no. so I really don't know. But, um, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. An absolute professional, as are you, Terry Allen. Oh, <laughs> well, some things maybe. <laughs> so let, we're going to talk a little bit about, let's talk about sailing. Yeah, so uh, as I said at the start, we've uh, a group of uh, sailors from the Royal Melbourne Yacht Squadron headed out on a cruise uh, towards Tasmania. We did a similar trip last year, except we went right down to the Wooden Boat Festival in Hobart, which is on every second year, and every other year it's <coughs> in uh, it's in Geelong, as we just talked about. Um, so we had very strong easterly winds, which uh, most of you who have follow the weather in in Melbourne and Victoria, we don't get many easterlies, and of course we had them. And which way we're we heading east? And if you're into sailing, you don't want to sail in right into the wind because mm. that's the choppy. Anyway, so um, we is ha- that is that's the main reason, is it? Because it's a, it's a headwind. It's and- a headwind, and you're having to your boat's bouncing up and down, and it, and you're leaning, you know, that real lean over. Which of course, when you're racing, that's that's great. But when you're cruising and you've got to make cups of tea, and and I I was the uh, quartermaster on our boat and the cook. So, um, what is what is a quartermaster? So, quartermaster do? looks after all the provisions. So, I, I provisioned the boat, uh, all the food, and I also did some pre cooking and um, you know vacuum sealing it all. And yeah, so it makes it all easy while we're travelling. And um, yeah, so obviously a flatter boat is a bit easier, and I that means have you on my boat then. Uh... <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, so, uh, so, how do you cope with headwind? Do you tack? Do you kind of go yeah, well, you have zigzag tack, your way exactly. through it? Exactly. That's right. You, you tack. So, it, it's much better if you can have a wind on the side, which is called a beam, a beam reach. And even better is to have the wind behind you, and then you just stick the sails right out, and, and you basically sailing downwind like the old uh, riggers and that used to do so anyway we had a bit of an easterly we were trying to head to the prom and um and so from queenscliff to the prom is a southeasterly so we said well had a look at the weather and thought okay where will we go instead so we headed straight down to our absolutely favorite place we went to last year called deal island um absolutely <laughs> an ideal paradise and the best thing about deal is it's extremely hard to get to um, it has an amazing abundance of marine life. I went snorkeling and I saw as many species there as I've as I see sort of you know diving in the bay. It's part of the Kent Group and it has the highest diversity of yes the Kent Group mm. has the highest diverse marine diversity of any area uh, in Tasmania. Mm. Um, just you know I saw even giant mullet. I got excited about they were like you know eighty centimeters. They were huge. Now um, when you say the group, they're these groups of islands, groups of islands around Bass Strait, aren't there? Yeah. So if, as you head from the prom um, down towards Flinders Island, which a lot of people may know that's our our easterly island there's a whole um trail of different uh different islands and in fact you don't you always see land you know you sort of think oh Bass Strait and I'm right out in the ocean but you actually uh, always can see land so yeah so the Kent group and uh Deal Island um it's a marine park um, there's a big lighthouse. Now, they built the lighthouse. It was the highest one in Australia. It was so high that most of the time it was in fog, so they turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a lot of history there, of course, uh, and it, it's a very interesting place. And and we, uh, as I said, we snorkelled there and beautiful blue water. Um, if I get a chance, I'll put some uh, photos up on the Radio Marinara Facebook page it's got uh, Bennett's wallaby all over it has Cape Barren geese everywhere um, and we we love the place so much we're actually thinking of putting our names down as caretakers <gasps> and do a three month stint oh, there wow. yeah so so so, so how does that work there yeah. are there are there caretakers there all year round yeah there's caretakers all year round um, and you you basically have to look after the, the property um, and they also have a group called friends of deal 
and the friends of Deal Karma, they were there when we were there and they, they weed. So they're trying to, you know, eradicate the, you know, doing a weed program. So there are weeds on Deal Island? Yeah, yeah, because unfortunately it was burnt and cleared and right. over the years and so it had, you know, I think sheep and I saw a big cow skull and stuff. So um, although a lot of beautiful casarinas and everything are all come back. How, they, about, um, how about rats and rabbits? Uh, now they were, I think they had some uh, rabbits and I think they're pretty much been eradicated. Um, I didn't, we didn't see any rats and I, I don't know um, uh, whether they're, you know, still around. They they probably could be. Um, as I say, it's only can be reached by either sailing. There are people that actually uh, kayak, so they leave mm. from the prom and come down. It's, you know, 80 nautical miles. So that's a huge thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, they had uh, people on jet skis got there, which I was really yeah. upset oh, about. Oh, no. Not when we were there, but we, we heard about them. So, um, yeah, and after deal, we set off down to the bottom of um, Flinders Island, uh, which is um, to a place called Lady Barren, and there's Cape Barren Island, which, of course, the Cape Barren geese are from. Uh, and interestingly, talking about seaweed, we, we had a wonderful fisherman, uh, Tony, greeted us down there, helped us tie up and everything. Amazing, amazing bloke, so helpful. And he was actually a seaweed fisherman. Uh, and I can't remember what species. I, I need to look it up. But, um, yeah, so he had just started doing that. What kind of seaweed? I, I know you said that you don't know yeah. what species, but like big macro? Like yeah, a- I think it was a... a, a not a giant kelp, but a, a type of, of a larger kelp. Right. Um, like a clonier or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how long he had been doing it, but he had quite a nice big boat and it obviously was, you know, was doing okay from it. But um, I'll definitely look that up because he's starting to sell the product now as a dried flavoured seaweed in a little packet. So I thought, oh, I'll have a look into to what that is. Um Interestingly as well, uh, there was an area there at the pier where they were diving, uh, they were going out, diving and catching abalone and crayfish and then they bring them into these tanks, keep them alive to then fly out to Melbourne, Launceston uh, and, of course, onto Asia. So I saw, I have to say, probably the biggest green abalone I've ever seen. It was my hand span. I, I reckon... Oh, it would have to be 20, 25 centimetres. Wow. It was, you know, and, you know, it was incredibly thick. Um, and, of course, the green lip are the ones that are most sought after. They were black lip there as well. They go to canning, but the green lip actually get f- flown out uh, as a fresh fresh product. So a really nice young guy and we just wandered in and he just showed us everything. And that's a great thing with Tasmania. You just think everyone's very friendly and very relaxed and... Um, beautiful place to go, Flinders Island. I'd love to go back there. You can fly in there, of course. Um, amazing rock formations, uh, the beautiful orange um, lichen, like you do see down at Bay of Fires. Um, and then we headed down to Tassie proper, uh, onto the mainland of Tassie, and we went into the Tamar River. We saw the weather coming. We saw the Valentine's Day. Oh, the big storm. <laughs> stupid storm coming. And we thought, well, we either sit here and wait it out or we... Um, we just uh, go. So we pl- plotted the whole uh, trip right across Bass Strait, uh, 200 nautical miles to Queenscliff. We had five people on board, did shifts of three hours on, three hours off. Very, very tiring, uh, but ve- very exhilarating. We had 20, 25 knots starting and then it, Tuesday dawned, beautiful sunrise, also happened to be my birthday. Uh, we had calm seas and then we came through the heads at lunchtime huge swell but uh, safe and uh, yeah so we had uh, a little bit of everything and but that was by far the longest uh, sail I've done it was about 34 hours so I've been sleeping ever since. (laughs) Did you get much sleep? Uh, You do I mean initially you're a bit hyper and 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 when it was a bit rolly and rough it it was a bit tricky Um, but then we uh, the the, uh, wind dropped out we have the motor running so it's a bit of white noise and then yeah I slept like like a baby, so yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience. Um, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> saw a lot of um, bird life, of course. So mm. quite a few uh, albatross, lots and lots of the short-tailed shearwater, just 
huge uh, rafts of them and a few penguins, a few seals and lots and lots and lots of dolphins, uh, particularly between the prom and, and deal. Like just even through the night, you know, the, you'd get the moon come up and the common dolphin turn on their back and you see their white bellies actually through the water because the viz was fantastic. And, you know, you're sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're a little bit cold and a bit tired and then these dolphins come along and you just think, oh, this is just like therapy. Like yeah. this is this is amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, beautiful and lots of baby dolphins actually. So, uh, which which was great. So yeah, very very nice. Sounds like an incredible trip. Mm. Question that I'm guessing. Uh, well, I'm wondering whether Neil's asking. I'm going to ask it. Uh, Deal Island. Did you see any anything in the form of plastic pollution? You kind of have to. my mind, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to get down to really look for it, I suppose, at a, yeah. at a micro level. Yeah, actually, nothing much on the beach at all there. Um, it's a, it's an interesting. There's two quite big islands, and there's like a, a, a pass goes between them with huge currents, like mm. really three or four knots. Like it's, you've got to time, you've got to time it, and a beautiful clear sandy beach. Um, and I actually don't remember seeing any litter on it which is amazing. Yeah. There might have been a few floats or, or um, there was quite a bit of driftwood, which, you know, um, but I actually don't remember seeing any plastic there at all. I think I found one uh, aluminium can on the bottom when I was snorkelling and I dived down and grabbed it and threw it in our rubbish bin. But, yeah, it, you know, cross fingers. It was get pretty a bit of fishing-related material or something like that. Yeah. Not the usual, the usual uh, I think plastic. around in the other bays um, on the sort of the south southwest side um, there would have been more debris there and maybe just where we were on, on this little beach uh, we didn't see anything which yeah. is a joy now you know when you think how many times you pull up somewhere and yeah but, I should um, just mention actually uh, yesterday Josie Jones and Christian were down at Seaford and as well as the bivalves being thrown up there was heaps of noodles that they collected and put in the bottle so uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff going on in the bay in particular. Mm, yeah great uh, Terry, if you do go down there as caretakers, you might need to take Neil to go and do some plastic surveys, I think. I think so. Next time? I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know. It might be a few years away because I think it's become a very uh, oh, no, popular idea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for that. No problem. And thanks for today. No worries. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Thank you, Kent. And uh, thanks to our guests, Hilary McNevin. We finally got on to Hilary and uh, to Dr Surf uh, on our program next week. Dr Beach is going to be in for his first show for 2018. We're going to be joined in studio by Cade Mills as well, who'll be um, giving us uh, a report on what's happened at the upcoming Shellfish Reef Conference, which is on this week. And Rex Hunter's going to be in studio as well. So stay tuned for radiotherapy. I think Kent's sticking around. You are the hardest working man on Sunday morning radio, Kent. Uh, and a big shout out uh, to to Thomas Bailey, who I believe um, put a very lovely copy of Petula Clark's "My Friend the Sea" uh, forty five in the pigeonhole. I've got to work out how to play it now. So thanks, Thomas. We might play this on the show in a week or so. Fantastic. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, yeah, stay tuned for Radiotherapy. Have an awesome Sunday, and uh, thanks for our thousand likes. You can continue Yay. to like if you want. We'll catch you next week. Bye for now. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R Sponsors. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.